we're back in Matthew 5 for another beatitude. Um, I'm not going to take up too much time. I don't want to take away from anything Norm has to say. So I'll be nice and short and uh, get through this as quickly as possible. Just um, Dave explained last week the context of the Beatitudes. So I'm not really going to dwell on that too much. But basically, Jesus, Jesus opened his Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes which were just a series of blessings. And the fifth one, which is the one we'll be looking at tonight, says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. So just going to break it down and look at a few few short points just related to the verse to hopefully enable us to understand it a wee bit better. Um, The first word that stood out to me was uh, blessed, which... Maybe isn't a word that we would use that often, but blessed just has the general meaning of happy or joyful. But um, when I look at that in this context, I think uh, it's probably referring to something a bit more spiritual. And I think uh, spiritual blessedness is really only something you can know if you have your own personal relationship with God. Um, the next thing I looked at in the verse was the word merciful. Um, what exactly does merciful mean? It's maybe not, again, not a word you'd use that often. But uh, to be merciful is just to show forgiveness and com- compassion to those in need, even those people who maybe don't deserve it. Um, Jesus spoke of this trait in the New Testament and also in Matthew. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And that's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. I think what this beatitude is really saying is we're blessed uh, if we are merciful because mercy is something that God himself shows towards us. I think uh, it's pretty obvious where this is going and that no greater example of mercy can be found than the mercy we see at Calvary. We were all born in sin and without Christ we are condemned in eternity in hell, separated from God. However, in God's great mercy, he sent his son to die for us to take the punishment for our for our sin. We were the ones who deserved to be punished for our sin, not the perfect Son of God. But because of his mercy, we can obtain forgiveness that we didn't deserve. We're reminded of this in chapter Titus chapter three, verse number five. It says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. The only uh, final remaining challenge I want to leave with you is if we have experienced God's mercy and are walking in newness of life, we too should be showing mercy to those around us. So the sort sort of short summary to Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 and the attitude blessed are the merciful. The person who is merciful will be eternally happy because they know God's mercy. I'm finished now, but I hope in the next few days you remember to thank God for the mercy he has shown for us and ask him uh, for help to show mercy to those around us. It's so nice to speak to you all and to see everyone again. I, I think I'm back to that Christmas dinner. It's crazy. Just um, us all in the room together, sitting elbow to elbow, eating food. Um, Can't wait to get back to that. Probably not this Christmas, sadly, but really soon. Hopefully we'll all be sitting elbow to elbow again and munching down lots of nice turkey. Um, but yeah, the, the guys asked me to speak a bit about how I survived school. And, um, I suppose it's a, it's a good way to phrase it because school is 
I mean, really, really tough, both as a student and as a teacher. I assure you, it, it doesn't really get much easier. But um, obviously, school is just this incredible opportunity to be a witness to so many people. Um, I can't think of any other part of life where you are in contact with so many different people um, every day and the same people every day. I mean, I think there were 120 in my year group in Wellington. And I'm sure some of you, like in Down High, I think it's even bigger. Your group's methody is notoriously big. And you kind of know everyone in your own year group. And if you're cool, you maybe know people outside your own year group as well. Um, just so many people who you're in contact with and who you have an opportunity to be a witness to. And so how do you survive that? How do you navigate that in addition to like getting homeworks and coursework and exam prep done and even sometimes even just getting out of your bed, finding your school tie, remembering to grab your lunch. There, There's so many demands when it comes to school. And I suppose someone who knew an awful lot about the demands of daily life was the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul, as I'm sure you know, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He is responsible for establishing the early church. He was like shipwrecked. He spent time in prison. He was persecuted. He wrote letters. He visited churches. Paul had as busy, if not a busier life than, than most school students. <laughs> but he didn't do any of that alone. Um, Paul had a group of people around him who helped and supported him. You may have heard of some of their names, names like Barnabas, Silas, um, Timothy. There's so many people who worked alongside Paul. And I'm quite certain when we all get to heaven and meet the Apostle Paul, I'm sure he will tell us himself he could not have done the work. Of course, without God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, his work would have been impossible and empty. But without those those men predominantly who worked with him, he would have been unable to complete that work. And there's no better example of that, I think, than um, one of the first places that Paul visited on his ministry, which was a place called Thessalonica. Um, Paul went to Thessalonica. He witnessed with Silas and um, Timothy and they witnessed to people there. They built up a body of believers. But of course, where there is um, a lot of belief and faith, there is also persecution. And some of the religious leaders in Thessalonica accused Paul and Silas and Timothy of acting against Rome um, and against Caesar. And they, there was a, there were riots and a lot of violence against these men. And Paul had to flee. In fact, Paul fled to Athens um, because he was worried for his life. But while in Athens, he was really concerned about the, the early, very young and probably quite fragile church in Thessalonica, which he had left behind. But Paul couldn't go himself. If he went to meet with the church, he risked being killed um, or certainly attacked by the mobs and riots that had broken out. So he sent his friend, he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out how the church were doing. And we read about um, Paul's gratitude to Timothy in the letter that he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. It's, I'm sure you can guess, it's um, found in First Thessalonians. 
This is what Paul wrote. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoured more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Paul trusted Timothy to go in place of him. And Timothy didn't fail. Paul Timothy was that good friend. Paul calls him our brother and minister of God and our fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ. This is how Paul views Timothy. This is how Paul views friendship. And Timothy's friendship to Paul was absolutely invaluable in his ministry. Timothy was able to comfort Paul when Paul is in Athens fearing for his life. Timothy is able to bring him comfort with this wonderful report about the church in Thessalonica and how well they're doing in the face of great tribulation and persecution. Timothy took risks for Paul. He put himself in harm's way, knowing how much his friend needed that encouragement that the church were thriving. Paul trusted Timothy to do the job that needed to be done just as well as he would do it. Um, Paul was able to kind of trust him with this, with this task. And Paul and Timothy were able to encourage each other. Timothy, by bringing back this incredible report about a church in persecution, and Paul, by trusting Timothy and, of course, complimenting Timothy to the church, giving him this amazing title. I'll read it once more. Our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. And it got me thinking, who in my life could I call that title? Who holds that role for me? Who would I describe as my brother and minister of God, my fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ? And, you know, in school, I definitely had a wee group like that. Um I remember there were a group of about six girls in my year group and we we were great friends like all throughout sort of key stage three um and then when we got to like GCSE and A level and um, maybe um we started to get a bit of stick for being Christians and started to kind of struggle a wee bit with our faith we realized that we needed to really sort of band together and be very intentional about bible study and prayer 
And so much to my embarrassment, we set up a wee group called the God Lovers, um, which is so cringy. But this wee group where we met, um, I think we met sort of once a fortnight, sometimes in school, but more often just in each other's houses. And we worked through passages of scripture. We had like a wee prayer journal where we shared our, um, like our struggles in school. And we kind of knew that that was like our base. That was where we got strength and encouragement to then go back to school and sometimes face, as I say, like like a hard time sometimes for being a Christian. Um, but we knew that we had each other and that was just essential. That group, um, I don't think we could have done school without each other. A bit like, well, not comparing ourselves to Paul and Silas and Timothy who, who just did this amazing work, but they needed each other in the same way that, that we needed each other. Um, and even I remember in A level, I met this, this other girl who I hadn't really been that close with and she wasn't a Christian. Um, but we were both kind of nerdy and, and got on really well together. But sometimes she asked me really tricky questions. She was a lot smarter than me and she was kind of asking me these really tough questions about, um, being a Christian. And often it was about morals as often happened. She asked me about gay marriage and, and that sort of thing. And, um, I was able to go to, that the group of girls that I had and often asked them to pray um, for me as I was talking to she was called Christina or um, even for them like what do you think what should I say to her about this issue or this question that she's asked and again I I couldn't have maintained that friendship and, and been a witness if I hope I was a witness to her without that group of girls they were just so essential and I just really wanted to encourage you that if you have a group of Christian friends in your school Thank God for them. Praise God that he has given you that incredible gift of a group of Christian friends. And if you don't have a group, pray that God would give you one. Um, pray that you would find other Christians to, to kind of group with, um, to band alongside and, um, that he would strengthen you in that way. Um, and obviously a great place to find friends like that is in like a Christian union or a scripture union, maybe that you have in school. And I know, um, when I, when I got into upper sixth, I was part of the committee, um, for our CU in Wellington. And that was like a bigger group of Christians then that I was with. And again, we met once a week to pray for the, the CU. And then every lunch, every, I think it was like Thursday lunchtime, we met for the actual scripture union. Um, and I know it's hard with the restrictions and the lockdown. I'm sure CUs aren't meeting, but I know even now in Wellington, we're like doing stuff over WhatsApp and Instagram. Um, maybe if some of you are in a position to suggest that to the committee, or maybe you're on the CU committee yourself, it's definitely something you could um, look into because it's just so important to have that group around you in school, in the mission field that is school. Um, and then, of course, I had church outside of that and we had like a youth fellowship and a girls brigade and just being really invested in that and in those Christian friends there. Um, I know my when I went to youth fellowship, our leader talked to us about church being a bit like a restaurant. 
Um, but it's not like a restaurant where you go and if you like the menu, you stay. And if you don't, you go somewhere else and look for a better menu. Church is more like we're all the workers in the restaurant. And then the church service or youth fellowship or whatever it is you go to is a bit like all of the workers going out back to the kitchen and kind of, oh, my goodness, that was that was tough. That was hard work. I'm exhausted. What what conversation did you have? How was that table? And you kind of like talk together and build each other up and encourage each other. That's what church should be, um, where you come away from a week where you've been serving God and you kind of relax together and share your struggles and pray and encourage and uplift each other and I hope you have that in in whatever church you go to whatever home whatever sort of church is your home um just really band with the Christians there and build each other up um in in your faith and even as a teacher then I still need that group of friends again I haven't been able to do it because of the restrictions with um COVID but last year we, um, the, some of the teachers in Wellington, we set up like a Monday morning prayer time. Um, so every break time we would meet together in my classroom. And sometimes it was only like four or five of us. And sometimes it was maybe like 12 or 13. Um, Christian teachers who all came together and we just prayed for the week ahead and I've missed it so much this year, just not being able to meet and pray and find strength from other Christians. Um, so definitely big, the big thing is that if you have that group of Christians, thank God for them and really value that friendship. And if you don't pray that God would allow you to meet other Christians in your school or in your church who you would um, be able to get that friendship with, um, just like Paul and Silas and Timothy had. So that's the first big thing about how I survive school. And I suppose then the second and last thing was um, just about seeing school as an opportunity. Um, we know that school is a mission field, that there are so many people in our schools who don't know God and who, who need to be told about um, the importance of following Christ. And, you know, thinking back to my time at school, I suppose the, the biggest um, evangelism opportunity that me and my Christian friends saw was the pre-formal. I'm sure some of you are in that position right now and kind of the decision about whether or not to go to the pre-formal was seen as this like defining moment for the Christians. And, and I didn't go to the pre-formal and I think it's right that Christians don't go, that they're kind of different and set apart. But thinking back on that, maybe we put too much emphasis on that big act of Christianity is no, I'm not going to the pre-formal. And that one decision is seen as this defining moment. Maybe we put too much emphasis on that big act of evangelism and not enough on the small everyday acts of evangelism. Um, one of my favorite verses is whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Not just one decision, not just one big moral decision, but it's every day trying to be salt and light. And that is such a challenge um, that it's not just the big things, but it's every single small step and small decision that you make where you've to show Christ, show the love of God in your life. And I was thinking about sort of three small, really practical ways that we can show God's love to other people. And one way that kind of struck me was by wearing our masks, right? And we were told that 
like the news all the time, but just by kind of doing that every day and, and showing other people that you care about them, that you're respecting them by wearing a mask, that, that's one really small thing we can do to show God's love to other people. Another thing we can do is um, like picking which jokes to laugh at. Um, I know sometimes it's hard to like you know, sometimes just somebody says something funny and you just burst out laughing, but maybe that's like running down someone else who's maybe a wee bit vulnerable or lonely, maybe picking on someone in the class who isn't that um that popular. And just by not laughing at that joke, you can really be a witness or maybe someone's making a rude joke or whatever it is, just just picking which jokes to laugh at can be such a powerful witness for Christ and just showing that you're being really intentional with um with your humor um and there's there's a a way to be funny as a Christian and and a way that's just um it just sort of removes your witness for for that moment and the final way is by kind of making church more normal um, because even now as an adult, I mean, when, when I get in on Monday morning and the non-Christian teachers in Wellington are like, what'd you get up to at the weekend? I always kind of stumble over saying, oh yeah, I was at church on Sunday morning and I really enjoyed the sermon or we sang this new song and it was great or whatever it is. Um, just making church normal part of your conversation and then that can so often just prompt questions just by saying yeah I went to youth group and something like oh what's that and and then you're able to share so yeah just not being afraid of taking those risks and they're small risks but they can seem really scary in the moment um just don't be afraid of doing that and see the eternal um benefits and fruits that those kinds of conversations can reap um so I hope some of that was helpful in, in thinking about what school is, how to survive school as a Christian, how to be a witness in school. Um, and obviously there's many other ways, but definitely seeking out a good group of Christian friends who will stand by you, encourage you and who will kind of take risks for you. Um, that's essential and not being afraid of being a Christian every day um, and, and showing the love of God in the smallest ways, which can still be really tricky, but showing showing God's love in something as simple as a mask or as simple as mentioning church, whatever it is. Um, so small, practical ways of showing your faith. So maybe just close by praying for you all in school. Um, I know, as I say, I know it's, it's not easy at all. It's, it's school's really, really tough, but, um, hopefully, um, some of that has, has helped. So let's, let's pray and, um, we'll go from there. Father God, we thank you so much that you have given us your Holy Spirit to help us in all things. Um, thank you that no matter what trials we face, um, we have your Holy Spirit with us to guide us and to instruct us and protect us from harm. Lord, thank you for the examples that we read about in the Bible of really good godly friendships. Lord, thank you that even Jesus Christ himself was surrounded by his 12 disciples, 
by this group of friends who um who helped him and, and who encouraged him and who he was able to guide and lead lord we know that your bible celebrates relationships celebrates friendships and i pray lord that you would help each of us to just choose our friends wisely to um to not get into bad company as your your scriptures warn us against but to seek out friends who will rebuke us when we're doing something that's not wise who'll encourage us when we're doing your work in school and who will join with us as brothers and fellow workers in um in the gospel message that we have to share. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a group of Christian friends who we will value and treasure and really build into, Lord, so that we can do your work more effectively, just as Paul, Silas and Timothy did. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to take risks. Lord, even just the smallest we risk that we can, we take can have a massive impact on the people who we see every day in school. I pray that our testimony would be really secure in school. And the only way that's possible is if you are in it. I pray that you would help us in sanctifying us, Lord, and guarding us from evil and helping us to show other people the the way that you're working in our lives, Lord. Help us to be good imitators of Christ um, so that other people will look at us, see that we are different and want that themselves. Um, so, Lord, I pray you'd help everyone here in whatever struggle they're facing in school, um, that you just empower them, show them how much you love them, Lord, and that you would work all things for your good. Lord, I pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen.